Zoom, you know, we've got a good uh, spiritual family that we can be connecting with on a regular basis. Aren't you thankful for that? Yeah, I am. It's, uh, you know, I know that friendships and relationships take effort. And uh, with everything that's going on right now, effort might not be at the top of your list. <laughs> but there's a great benefit from those relationships, yeah? Have you ever, you ever bumped into someone and thought, wow, this person has a story? You ever had that experience? You know, for eight years I had a, a job traveling full-time and uh, spending most of the year on the road, um, airports and hotels and whatnot, and I met a lot of people. And uh, I heard a lot of interesting stories. And I, I'm a curious person, and I like to ask people questions. And I don't know, sometimes you might look at a person and think like, okay, they don't want to talk. <laughs> uh, but sometimes you might bump into a person and think, wow, this person must have an interesting story. And I want to start us this morning as we turn to the scripture, but I want you to engage your imagination a little bit and realize that this is written by a person who has a story. A person who lived some life. A person who was the, the youngest of multiple siblings and lived with all that that kind of comes with. Maybe, maybe a little favoritism from one of the parents. Maybe some bullying from older brothers, siblings. His family kept sheep. And in the Mideast... Keeping sheep could uh, feed your family, but it wasn't like a prestigious occupation. You know, it wasn't like the kind of thing that if you were going to meet someone new that you wanted to impress, you wouldn't say, I'm a shepherd. You might say, I'm an architect or something else, you know, one of those impressive occupations. But you wouldn't choose shepherd. Now, one of the things about keeping sheep is that how healthy the animals are is directly connected to your livelihood and therefore your identity if you've got a good reputation or a bad reputation. And families that keep sheep in the, in the Middle East, you know, they've got to do a number of things and that includes knowing in the different seasons, whether it be hot or cool, where they need to go so that they can have something to eat. You don't want them to eat the grass all the way down to the point where it can't recover. There's, there's different things to think about, and you've got to keep an eye on them because they have a tendency to wander off and get into trouble, and they have predators, and you've you got to be able to protect them. And you actually learn some lessons a, 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 in life this way. And this, this person that we're going to read from their perspective, this was a part of their journey in life and having to defend Sheep, an animal that really doesn't have much defense on its own, and also was kind of looked down on because of the, of the occupation. And so that would kind of give you a wide variety of emotions and then would be sent out on his own to take care of the sheep and so to have a lot of time to himself. And I know that when I had the traveling job, I'd you know, sing to myself, talk to myself, and that was where I started. I said to myself, self... <laughs> When, you, when you're in that kind of situation, that's, that's the kind of thing that you did. You know, it's not like 
he had the opportunity to travel with a, you know, a smartphone and, and watch, you know, movies, TV, show, whatever, you know. He didn't have those synthetic friends. It was him and the sheep, and he would pay attention to nature, like nature had a lot to do with his life, right? And so I can imagine walking alongside a middle-aged version of this person, kind of like me, you know, at that age, and noticing that he notices the birds, he notices the clouds, he notices the trees, he notices the conditions that are going on around, and walks with kind of a limp, has seen some Violence actually had a world-class horrible boss that tried to kill him and a son that tried to kill him. Made some world-class mistakes. Was definitely a person that was really convinced that God couldn't love him. Was a person who was betrayed by friends and had friends make mistakes, including one person he counted that he could trust who killed one of his children. This is a person who's lived some life. This is a person who's lived some life who had to hide in caves and who sat on the throne as king over a nation and then had to run and hide again and then was put on the throne again. This is a person who yearned for something more in life, not just pleasure, not just power, not any of those things, but a relationship with the living God. He desired that. He, he recognized that that's where real fulfillment was. And we're, we're, we finished our second of three weeks in prayer and fasting. We're in our final week. Next week, we're going to talk about new ideas as a church and celebrate our 11 years as a church family. But we've had this invitation to relationship time with God in January. We've had this invitation to salvation and, and its importance. But today I want to look at the invitation to purification in this song. In the context of this really meaningful relationship with God. And I want you to hear the voice of somebody who has lived some life. And learned some lessons. So much so that when Jesus came, He wanted to be associated with this person. He liked to be called the son of David because David was a person who had a heart after God. Let's look at Psalm 139. O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel you, and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. 
You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment laid out before a single day had passed. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. O God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. O Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is a song. It's it's written as a song, written as a poem in such a way to make it easier to remember, easier to pray through, to meditate on, and to pray through. It's a little bit like a roller coaster, really, when you take the whole thing into consideration. But in it includes a relationship moment with God, a certain type of prayer that is really helpful to me, that has become very personally meaningful to me that I want to talk about briefly. So David's relationship time with God includes this mode of prayer. Search me, O God. Now, like a lot of his psalms, the first verse and the last verse echo each other. And in the first verse, you see that he believes that God has already searched him. And yet, in the context of this, of this relationship with God, it's a repeated invitation. It's the kind of prayer that should be repeated, that should be a part of a journey. And here's, here's a part of what's being said in this psalm. Oh God, you know me. You know everything about me. Everywhere I go, you are there. In every aspect of my life, you are present. God, your thoughts are most precious to me. God, you're thinking about me. God, I want to follow your guidance for my life. God, please lead me. We're coming back to these two verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Don't you want to be on the path of everlasting life? Following God in a, in a way that where you can be assured that you can have an uninterrupted relationship with the one true living God, the source of love, hope, peace, and joy. That's the way I want to live. That's what I want to know. I want God to lead me along that path of everlasting life. But what we see here is that it's important to say, God, point out anything in me that offends you. It's an invitation to purification. It's it's a moment of prayer. Here's what it is. We should give time for the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and examine our motives. Now remember, this is the same David who wrote 
Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. Right? Psalm 23, such a, such a peace, such a strength, such a love, such a joy that comes from this kind of relationship with God. It's, it's not this scary, horrible thing. It's a, it's a relationship that has amazing benefits. This scripture helps us understand God's guidance for every area of life. This practice of, of praying this prayer, search me, O God, it's a practice of regular spiritual checkup. It's a valuable activity for evaluating our spiritual health. And that's what I do in my life. I have marked seasons in my life where I carve out extra time to sit with this prayer, to pray this prayer, and to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's really important that we learn to distinguish between voices from the past from other people, or even our own voice and the voice of God. Because other people or yourself might be harsh, negative, condemning in a way that God is not. We need to make sure we're distinguishing from that. What I have actually found in my life, and even this month, when I, in my time, when I carved out time to just sit with this prayer and welcome the voice of the Holy Spirit in me, was that what came as a result of that time was an overwhelming peace. A happiness. A, a sense of being blessed by this relationship with God. That's the, real, that's, the, that's the reality in my life. Now this is partially because what we believe we see in Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If I'm in a relationship with Jesus, like we talked about last week, that, that forgiveness is there. God is not condemning me. He's looking at me through the sacrifice of Jesus that, where Jesus took my sins on Himself. So I can enter into this prayer without condemnation, but inviting the input of God. I believe, like we see in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If I really believe this, it's a whole lot easier to enter into this kind of a prayer. Search me, O God. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. What I want to do is I want to allow the Holy Spirit to identify an area in my life that needs adjustment. Maybe you've heard the analogy of the potter's wheel, you know, a person who uses clay to, to, to shape a bowl or a pitcher or something that would hold food or, or drink. I want to be like that clay in the hands of the potter so that God can shape me in the way He designed me to be. And what I find is that a lot of times we will avoid this because we have a hard time trusting God, but also because we really think that God's going to shape us into ways we don't like. Because we've mixed in our heads our own negativity and the voices of other people and what we've associated with God, and we're actually treating God with prejudice. When in reality, if God is the giver of life and knew us in our mother's womb, God has a design for us that brings fulfillment and peace. 
And the more I investigate that and learn about that, the easier it is for me to trust, for me to put myself in the hands of the living God and say, would you shape me the way you want to? Because what he's going to do is he's going to bring out joys and pleasures and strengths and ways in which you have been designed that we need to see, that we need to get to know. We want to get to know the whole you. And God has designed the whole you. But this is a part of the process. God, search me, know me. Is there a way in which I've been shaped? You know, I used to have much more abrasive edges because of ways in which I had reacted to people hurting me. I spent a lot of time saying, God, come on, take off those sharp edges. Shape me and mold me in the way that you want to. Here's just some of the categories on the prayer card that I've got when I sit and I pray with this. I say, God, would you point out any, anything in me that you want to adjust? Is it, and, I, and I have scriptures for each of those, these categories that I use to help me have God's perspective. God, is there any way in wholehearted devotion that I should be different? Do I have another God before you? Lord, the way that I'm thinking, the way that I'm feeling, does that need to be adjusted? The way that I make decisions, did you know there's a lot in Scripture about how we make decisions? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding. My conversation, the way that I tend to talk, my desires, my relationships with others. Forgiveness, money, work, church, health, purity, my lifestyle. My priorities, do I have a priority on God's kingdom and God's mission? See, if I do this on a regular basis, like a, a spiritual health checkup, it's not daunting and intimidating and difficult and negative, but it's actually really life-giving and brings about a spiritual peace. And actually what, what happens in this kind of prayer is that God starts to pour His love inside you. And when God starts to pour his love inside you, it presses out the other stuff, the impurities. It presses the other stuff out. Like perfect love casts out fear. So when I'm inviting God and saying, God, you give me your perspective for what you want to be inside of me. I'm, it's filling me up. Almost like, imagine I'm holding a big orange. That's kind of grapefruit size. I don't really like grapefruit though. So, it's like if your life is like an orange and God's pouring in love and pouring in love and pouring in love and it's pressing out the weaknesses in that orange, any rot, any, it's healing the bruise, it's healing the injury, it's bringing about strength, it's bringing about full vitality. That's the way this kind of prayer, that's what it results in. It results in a relationship with God where he's pouring in love, pouring in love, pouring in love and the result is Fantastic. So just in a practical sense, what do we do? Well, first of all, I'm suggesting that you pray using these two verses, asking God for His guidance. And remember, try to distinguish between your voice, the words from the past, from other people, anything that would prejudice this. Just ask God for His guidance, afresh. But pray using these two verses. Now second, and so let's just revisit these verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Pray using those verses as a a launching pad for your, your conversation with God. Then when you're in that moment, if there's anything wrong in you that comes to mind, confess it and ask forgiveness. Don't be slow about that. Be quick about that. Because God is quick to forgive. We gave verses talking about that today. God is quick to forgive. That's who he said he is when he described himself to Moses. Slow to anger, overflowing in compassionate love, forgiving thousands of generations God described himself as. So let's not be slow to confess our wrong. Let's be quick to confess our wrong and quick to receive his forgiveness. Number three, make a fresh commitment of wholehearted devotion. Say, okay, God, forgive me where I've been wrong. I'm going to make a turnaround. I'm going to make a fresh commitment to love you, serve you with the best of my energy. Help me with this fresh commitment to serve you with the best of my energy. Four, as you recognize God's guidance, follow it. And this is what happens to me after years of using this as a practice in my own life. I start to recognize the voice of God. Because the more I read the Bible, the more I think about it, ask questions of it, the more I start to recognize how God thinks. And the easier that it makes it for me to distinguish between the way other people think and how God thinks. And then when I have this prayer time, it makes it easier for me to then recognize the guidance of God. And so maybe it's insecurity that God points out in that intimate moment with you. So then what can happen is you can identify a thought of insecurity as not being reliable for you. And then when you follow the guidance of God, God is saying, hey, listen, that thought about you is not the way I think about you then it can make it easier for you to discard that thought and start to change the way you think. Listen, a lot of medical studies on the brain in the last decade have proven that the physiology of our brain can literally change as we change thought patterns. Thought patterns actually become an easier pathway in the brain, in the physiological studies of the brain. But what they've also shown is that when people change the way they think about things, especially things that are very important to them, and what's amazing about it is that it doesn't reach a really powerful tipping point until the person associates the thought pattern with the relationship they care about. The brain science shows that when we associate a thought pattern with the relationship we care about, there's power. And then a person has a greater ability to then change the way they think. And when they change the way they think, that old pathway in the brain becomes, it starts to decay, and a new pathway has formed. I think God has some design for us, for you. And it's a good design. God is a God who brings fulfillment. So as you recognize God's guidance, follow it. I hope this is helpful to you today. I'd like to just have another moment of prayer before we release. I'd imagine that you might have some questions about this. 
And I just want to let you know that Rebecca and myself, we're available to you to talk about any of these things. You don't agree with it, you don't believe it, you have a question. But this is something that's about the personal, intimate nature of your relationship with God. It's something that I have found in my own life to be very life-giving. The peace that I experience, the joy that I experience, are because of this. Honestly, I would have given up on life in Baltimore City years ago if not for the benefit of fasting and praying this prayer. It has brought me joy. A joy that somebody else didn't give me. A joy that God gave me and no one can take from me. So don't be intimidated by this prayer. It's a good prayer. It's like getting a checkup. You know, I, I hate to admit this, but I very rarely get a checkup from my doctor. Re- when Rebecca talks about it off and off, then I'll go. Maybe once every five years. But this spiritual checkup I do a lot more frequently. Because I've found that it's life-giving. Because our God is a God who is slow to anger, overflowing with compassionate love, faithful, merciful, forgiving thousands of generations of their sin, transgression, and iniquity. That's how God described himself, Exodus 34, 6. That's who God is. God loves you. God cares about you. God has more strength and peace and joy for you in this year and the degree to which you will dig deep in your relationship with God you will experience a deeper strength in your spirit you will experience a deeper peace you will experience a deeper joy I've got one more comment for us and then we're going to pray I believe that circumstances this year are going to change, and they're going to change at times quickly. We serve a God of the suddenlies. God can do things in a moment. And what I hear in my spirit is that we need to be prepared. We're going to talk about this more specifically next Sunday. How do we be prepared? You've got to be carving out significant amounts of time for you to gain God's perspective. There's nothing too complex for God. If you will carve out significant time this year to be with God, who you are is more important than what you do. Be with God. We can be ready for when God does things suddenly and when circumstances change. There are good surprises coming this year. God wants us to be ready. We're going to talk about this more next week. Let's pray. God, the Holy Spirit, I thank you. You guide us in truth. You guide us in truth. You guide us in the ways of the Father. You guide us to follow Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. You guide us according to your will. You guide us in that your will includes that which benefits us.
where we find peace and strength and joy, like the descriptions in Scripture of a tree that is fruitful in every season, like a miraculous, unusual ability to be healthy and fruitful in any season of life. Today, God, we hear your call to be with you. Today, God, we hear your call to be with you in ways that are intimate. And even if it's not easy, we will choose to respond, to be with you, to use the scripture as a launching pad for prayer, for this deep, private, personal relationship time with you, believing that you are good, you are forgiving, you are wonderful, faithful in love. I thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Rebecca and I love you all so much. We're so glad you would come and be here today. We do have, if you know anybody else who wasn't able to be here today, we do have a a Zoom version of this service today at 1. And uh, boy, last Thursday night, we had a wonderful time. We went deep. We sent out an email with just really short bullet point notes from last Thursday night, but we had an awesome discussion, and many of you were on the call and shared some really great perspective. We love you guys so much. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.